Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Gigabit Nation, Broadband Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig Settles, and I want to welcome everyone in the audience today and thank you for joining us uh, as we come together every uh, show to help public, private, and nonprofit organizations get broadband everywhere it needs to be in America. Uh, one of the things that's obviously, you know, talked about a lot when we, when we talk about broadband is is closing the digital divide. And I think it's very important that we understand there's two distinct components to this. One is building the physical infrastructure, but two are the programs and the efforts and, and the whole slew of activity that goes on after, well, actually should probably start before the network is built, that actually enables um, those on the other side of the divide to basically um, become uh, Internet citizens, if you will. And it's not necessarily an easy process. It's not glamorous. It doesn't get a lot of the, the limelight and all the rest of it. But for every big announcement about a city such as Kansas City or uh, Chicago or, or Chattanooga uh, getting a, a broadband network, um, there are sure to be uh, dozens, if not hundreds, of individual efforts that are going on all throughout a community, all throughout a city, uh, working at closing this thing we've called the digital divide. Uh, and Kansas City, obviously, is, is no different. And I wanted to take a look at a project there that has uh, has gotten us a fair amount of press in the last couple of uh, couple of days, and uh, it's because they've worked very hard at uh, coming up with a project to address one of the uh, one of the, the poorest communities within Kansas City. And uh, my my guest today is um, Michael Lamada, who has uh, put together an organization that has on Friday uh, launched a wireless network, a Wi-Fi wireless network, to uh, to tackle this digital divide in, in one of the one of Kansas communities. So, Michael, welcome to the show. Good. Thank you. I'm so glad to be with you today. So let's talk about um, this, this project, because this is a very good project, and I've been reading about it and have even written about it a couple of times over the last uh, several months. Where are you? What are you guys doing? And what's the what's the name of your organization? Okay, well, actually, the roots of Connecting for Good go back uh, over a year ago. Um, Rick Dean, is our, who is our co-founder, and I, and a couple of other uh, IT people that service nonprofits in Kansas City, uh, started to get around and have coffee at Starbucks and talk about, well, how do we help Nonprofits get up to speed because one element of the digital divide is the you know technology gap between nonprofits and the corporate world. And as we were planning some sessions for nonprofits, uh, Google made its announcement that Kansas City was going to be their fiber city. And it wasn't in very long before we recognized that this was an opportunity for us uh, to you know deal with what we know is so true, and that is there's a huge portion of our population that what we could call digitally marginalized. You know, they're mm-hmm. kind of on the outside looking in. They know the possibilities and the opportunities, but all of us don't have the means or the knowledge to connect. So, mm-hmm. you know, the first thing we did was think about how does Google Fiber impact the digital divide, and we 
uh, were involved in last September with helping what was called Paint the Town Green in an effort to to um, you know sign up as many people as possible so that Google would install their fiber in the neighborhoods. And you know, so we still are continuing efforts to uh, promote Google's deal of you know three three seven years of internet for three hundred dollars, which is paid at twenty five dollars a month for the first year. Mm-hmm. But along with that effort, and you know, we're creating a mobile computing lab and other digital literacy activities, we recognize that there are still groups of people for whom Google Fiber is totally out of their reach. And so mm-hmm. in that case, our focus is a lot on Section 8 and public housing and trying to make sure that these folks are not left out of this uh, opportunity. And so our approach is to do Wi-Fi networks using point-to-point uh, broadcast. Mm-hmm. And now, so Rosedale Ridge, Rosedale right, Ridge is in Kansas City, Kansas. Approximately 400 residents live here. Um, you know, it is a Section 8 um, facility. There are certain income guidelines that have to be pre-qualified in order to live here. So um, there's about 400 people, approximately half our kids under 12. And we're, uh, we brought last Friday a Wi-Fi network here. We're also involved with setting up digital literacy classes, and uh, that will enable uh, residents to actually purchase their refurbished computer from us for fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. So, so there's basically three parts of this project, right? One, you guys have built um, a wireless network. Then you are um, going to uh, provide. Um, uh, laptops that, that were donated, and and you can ex- explain a little bit about that part of the project. And then in January, you're going to open your headquarters and then be offering uh, digital literacy uh, training uh, uh, courses. Well, That's- we already have a a computer center at the at the complex, and mm-hmm. so we're starting as early as next week with classes for the residents. We've already got over 20 of them signed up. So we're not we're actually beginning to do the work here. Our facility, which is down near Google's fiber space, is where we're going to begin to collect used PCs and refurbishing them and trying to get them out to the fiber hoods. Uh, you know, as Google's rolling out their um, installations, because you know during this whole pre-registration effort last September, it was really obvious that there were people who could afford to pay $25 a month for a year. But the idea of having a computer was a, even a bigger hurdle to them. So that's mm-hmm. why we're planning kind of a mobile laboratory that's going to go to the fiber hoods and get people ready with un- knowing what to do, how to sign up, and getting them that equipment in their hands so they can become part of the fiber installs. So uh, now I, I, the folks look at the digital divide and I don't know if they have, like, a glamorous idea that, oh, we're going to come in and make, you know, all these changes and we're going to do great deeds for humanity. We just got to get the network in. And and then this stuff will happen. I'm not sure people see beyond the bringing in of the network. What does it take to put together a program um, as comprehensive as this one is? Because here we're talking about infrastructure, 
so you know we're we're wiring some stuff to make it wireless. Um, we we're, we're talking about you know getting organizations or or some sort of organizational process that is going to identify and and work the sources of uh, computing devices to be um, refurbished and so forth. And then we've got to get the actual training done, and it's got to stick if you're going to have any kind of meaningful long-term benefit. So. How does one make this this magic happen? Well, yeah, it was actually it's been a year and a half of one hard process, you know, leading up until Friday where we actually went live with it. So we've mm-hmm. had, you know, we we were really blessed to have some nonprofit experts, some IT experts, some people from the educational community, people from the libraries, all giving us input as far as, you know, what what does digital literacy look like? And right now we've come down to basically teaching computer basics, like what's a mouse, how do you save a file to your hard drive, what are folders, et cetera, and then what we would call digital life skills, which is what, what now that you got a web browser, what do you do with it? You know, what's email? How do you set up and send email, Facebook, um, online shopping? And so, I mean, rather than, at least our approach to digital literacy is simply this. How can I take a lot of things that I do in a normal life and and do them online and probably faster and probably cheaper? And so mm-hmm. a part of our whole thing is we're, you know, we're right now in the process of establishing relationships with the people here at the housing complex to learn about what their needs are, to help them to understand you know, what is it I want to learn? So we've already, you know, for the first batch of uh, people that we're, we're working with, they filled out a survey to say, you know, we asked them, what do you want to learn? What do you want to learn about? And once the courses start, of course, we'll find out many things that they, you know, didn't even know before, and that will open up some other parameters for us. Um, but the process is to make it very, you know, student-centered, rather than us coming along with a you know, identity, uh, idea of what we want to do will work, you know, in the cultural context of the people we're, we're trying to serve. Now, one of the examples I use a lot is the fact that you can buy uh, am- diapers on Amazon.com for a whole lot cheaper than walking a mile down to the grocery store on the corner where it's going to be about twice the pro- price. And if you ha- don't have a car and have three little kids trailing behind you, it's even harder to go and get those diapers but to have them shipped mm-hmm. to the office. You know what I'm saying? And those are, I guess I said, digital life skills. I think a lot of us, myself included, have been online forever. I've been a user of the Internet since 1995. So there's a whole lot of things we take for granted that are just outside of the reach of someone without connectivity. And also I think we've been blessed, as you said, with some good media coverage. We've partnered a lot with the Social Media Club here in Kansas City, that actually did a major computer drive for us, and that even better than just collecting, you know, about 50 computers, it brought some awareness that has resulted in some companies coming forward and saying, you know, we'd like to send computers to you, like the Sunflower Group, which gave us 100 computers. There's other companies and there's other um, uh, even government entities that have promised us more. So I think what happened is Google Fiber coming to Kansas City really accentuated the digital divide. So it's been a kind of a, it put things front of mind for a lot of people in this community. 
So our, just us being here and saying we're actually doing this has attracted a lot of support for us. Uh, behind the project and coordinating the various um, organizations and so forth, what kind of what kind of skill set are we talking to make that kind of thing happen? And what kinds of uh, you know hurdles are there? Because I think people should understand that this isn't going to be quick. That it isn't going to be relatively easy. And even though their hearts might be in the right place, there needs to be a certain level of hard-headed, um, you know, organization management that goes on, right? Yeah. So, so how do we get how do we get there? Well, I mean, I'm I've been doing the non-profit stuff for 30 years. I've been in a social entrepreneur. I've started a non a nonprofit that helped addicts and and homeless people. I have been an educator. I've worked, you know, in an association of homeless. Um, organizations for 17 years, and last I've been actually academic dean of a um, online college called City Vision College, and that's kind of my what is my full-time job now. So you know, we've I guess I'm used to networking and strategic planning is probably my biggest uh, forte. But also we yeah. we were fortunate because of the people that I worked with are very entrepreneurial, very good networkers. And so, I mean, we have basically developed a board of directors that's very connected in the community. One of uh, our board members is uh, the executive director of the Center School District Educational Foundation. So we've tried to get people in the community engaged who can can actually uh, connect us to people, you know, who will get on board. And, of course, that's where the connecting for a good thing comes in because in some ways, our whole philosophy is how do you bring people together to do things around technology that is going to result in social good. Mm-hmm. It's not. Um, it's hard to raise money and part of raise times. What do you do to get? the kind of a project. Uh, I'm sorry, you were cutting out a little bit. You were talking about the funding issue? Okay. Yeah, well, we actually... We actually have, uh, you know, been involved with fundraising on an individual level. Most of the money that came to get us started was actually our board members contributing money. Um, again, we've got lots of you know gifts in kind as far as the computer systems that we actually are using, and uh, you know that we're getting them to refurbish. And there's also you know grant funding and some corporate support that we've been able to pick up along the way. Mm-hmm. And, and and how how receptive are folks to this? I mean, I'm sure there's you know there's a fairly keen competition. Amongst nonprofits for all kinds of uh, projects going on, and I would imagine it's a little difficult to be heard above the the the, the din, if you will, of folks you know that are working hard trying to get again what I'm assuming are a limited number of dollars. I mean, at a certain point, you run out of donors. So how, well, do, you, how do you rise above all that? Yeah, well, I don't think I mean we haven't even looked at that. I, I think that we have a cause that is not hard to explain. 
I think mm-hmm. anybody who is an internet user, all we have to tell them is imagine your life without that. And if you it, suddenly, you know, the whole world shuts down on you. On the other mm-hmm. hand, think about what happens if you have the internet, the whole world opens up to you. And so, right. I mean, I think in some ways, a lot of nonprofits struggle because they don't have that easy of an equation to put out there. I mean, we like to say basically connectivity equals opportunity. And, you know, you have the blessing, and especially now with Google Fiber coming to town, we're the most bandwidth, we'll become the most bandwidth rich city in America. And so, you know, how can you be enjoying all this knowing that your neighbors, maybe right across the street, are left out? I mean, Google Fiber says we want to, we're bringing 100 times the possibility because we have 100 times the speed, and we're saying, you know, let's not make the digital divide 100 times wider. Hello? Hello. Yes, hi there. No, I'm sorry. For some reason, our signal is fading in and out. Really, not all that they should be. Um, Am I coming through okay now? Yeah, better. Uh huh. Okay. Um,. Nuts. Uh, let's see, where was I? Oh, um, God, I lost my train of thought for a second. So in terms, oh, I know what it was. And they're willing to, you know, let folks make $25 a month payment. I think some folks have difficulty understanding how it is people can't come up with even $25 a month. So, so I mean, how, how do you how do you explain that to folks? I mean, what is is you know because that seems like a fairly small number to people, some people. Yeah, it depends where you're sitting, you know, culturally and economically. For a lot of single moms, the twenty five dollars a month is a choice between shoes or internet, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we're um, focusing on, of course, not just the. $25 a month, but also the the equipment issue and the training issue. So we're dealing with all of them. But I think in a place like Rosedale Ridge, where the average income is about $10,000 a month, um, getting $25 a month is a challenge. So, so now, now describe the network that you put together, because that's also of interest, too. Is You know, how did you do it? What did it cost? What were some of the logistical challenges for that? Well, basically, we explored our options uh, as far as how to get the bandwidth to Rosedale Ridge. And uh, we finally came down on just deciding that we would buy it wholesale. And uh, we actually worked, with, got some technical assistance from a group called the Free Network Foundation. And uh, what happened is uh, we got guidance as far as the equipment. They helped us to buy a box at the data center and also gave us some guidance as far as what equipment we needed to get. So we set up a dish about four miles away 
on the 27th floor of Oak Tower, which is in downtown Kansas City, Missouri, on the other side of the state line. And we set up a transmitter on one of the buildings here at Rosedale Ridge at the 7 building com complex uh, to basically shoot the data four miles from the data center up, up on the 27th floor of Oak Tower using mm -hmm. a, a colo and bandwidth provider uh, called Joe's Data Center. Mm -hmm. And so we also were blessed to get an equipment donation from One Economy, and they helped us to get the transmitters that now are sitting around the complex that are bringing Wi-Fi to the individual apartments. Mm -hmm. So at, from our perspective, our cost of this whole setup is going to be three to $5,000 over the next 12 months. That includes the bandwidth, the equipment, and basically the volunteers that are the ones that really made it happen. We had a lot of good IT people to help us with this, including mm -hmm. people that are on our board. You know, one of the things that keeps the, that, that comes up regularly um, on on the show, we have we have people in the chat room, and one of the issues that comes up is, you know, are the churches getting involved? You know, in in some respect, either making resources available or people available or so forth, as you know, part of this, you know, help the community kind of effort. Are you seeing that there? Is that a lot? Oh yes, we're actively talking to churches. As a matter mm -hmm. of fact. Rosedale doesn't have a um, any hotspots in this four square mile area, and so we set up the first hotspot in this neighborhood. Uh, mm -hmm. we, we've been talking to another church that's only down the hill from Rosedale Ridge. Uh, they are looking at kind of taking a, a, some of the bandwidth from our band our mesh network that we've set up here to send it to a public park and create a, the first public Wi-Fi in Rosedale. Um, we're also talking right now with um, a group that helps the homeless and about setting up a, a computer center there. And we're actively collecting. We have a pretty large suburban church that's going to be doing a computer drive for us very shortly, and we hope to bring a lot of computers to there. And there's a group uh, uh, called uh, called uh, that actually you know is a network of churches, especially in the east uh, um, minority section of town that is working with us now about looking at ways for us to extend this into more projects and, and actually have some of our digital literacy sessions in the churches that can provide us with Wi-Fi. So, yeah, mm -hmm. it's a very active thing. We're, we're very actively pursuing the church because we know that the communities that we want to serve, the church plays a super important role. Mm -hmm. Now, you have one of... Here in the room, G'day. Yes, we do have a resident with us. This is Angela. Would you like to speak with her? Talk about uh, from that perspective there. Yeah, hold on. Hello. Yes, good afternoon. And, and good welcome afternoon. to our show. Hello. Well, thank you. So, yes. in your words, what, what does this project mean to you? What What's the value that this whole effort is going to bring, in, in your opinion? Um, uh, it's really kind of hard to say because um, I've been, like, I've been looking forward to, like, learning a lot about the Internet and, and 
I mean, this 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 will be my even with the classes. This will be the first time I've ever you know got to actually sit down and learn some things that will help me and my children out. Being that you know in my future I would like to do much bigger and better things for me and my children. Mm-hmm. And with me, excuse me, um, being a volunteer over here, and um, I'm, I'm a huge community leader altogether. Living over here, being that I had to relocate. Back home, I mean, I just I think it would really benefit me and my kids in a verbal ways. Most importantly, knowing how to um, to just work the internet without um, being mentally bogged. Because I know for me, not really knowing much about the internet, I'm real easy to get frustrated and give up on, you know, uh, trying to pursue things that I want to know. And I, and I don't like that because I don't want to ever seem, like, dumbfounded to the Internet when I know that, I mean, that's the source to everything, you know. So to be mm-hmm. able to be educated and to educate my children, it's just, it, it's, like, amazing. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of the young ladies that I talk to on a one-on-one basis over here in this uh, complex, well, a lot of them are, like, um, you know, they don't know anything about the Internet, and they want to learn more so that they can, uh, you know, possibly even have a home-based business, which that's what I'm looking forward to doing myself in, mm-hmm. until I'm done with my nursing degree because I'm to start back in school in January to get my RN. So that will even help me because even with that being said, I could possibly even do some of my classes on the Internet. Well, if I know mm-hmm. how to get in there and, you know, to – to do what needs to be done, then it takes a load off of my back being a single parent, you know, being that I have children, because it's easy to um, to just get frustrated when you're trying to raise children and do the right thing. And I came from abuse, uh, background of abuse, and it took me a minute to, to um, you know, get the help I needed, but I got it. And, you know, I, that stumbling block, that obstacle that was there is no longer there. So the creativity of just knowing about the Internet and being, like I said again, educated is just a blessing for me. Mm-hmm. And you, you, in your community, in your complex, feel the same way, right? You, you, you yes, were talking to absolutely. some of your friends. And, uh-huh. Yes. Because I think in the in the media there there is this message that, you know, that low-income folks don't understand the value of the Internet, and so subsequently they're not getting involved with the Internet. But what you're telling me is very different, is that the, the, the people there in that community do understand, it's just they need a path. Is that correct? You know, you know, um, some do and some don't. And how I look at it, being um, who I am, is is that... You know, it's easy. It's just like a baby growing up. You know, if you're not been taught something, then you don't know anything. But to, like I said, the remarkable thing about this is for them to come in and take their time out and to teach us what we need to know, and just to know that this is really accessible for us and accessible. You know, I mean, oh, if I was a computer, just smart like you know the average normal person. I mean, I know the Internet will take me so many places I've never, you know, on a productive, positive level because that's what I seek 
in, you know, being a part of this program, you know, but some do know, but because of, I think, basically being poverty lies, you know, uh, uh, mentally, you know, uh, I mean, I don't, I really don't know how to put it in word form, but if you know where I'm trying to go with this, if they really, really knew, and I have an ideal, I have a vision, and this is the reason why I'm eager to learn, and who's to say, if I I may even be able to help someone else from what I've been knowledge with because I know that there is so much more on the Internet besides, you know, shopping and stuff like that. I want to be educated in a way to where I can abroad my thinking and, like I said, expound off of what I've been taught. Then, therefore, I won't find a lot of things such as struggle or frustrating um, is what I'm trying to say. Because mm-hmm. some people have what? an idea. And then some people, they don't. They clearly don't. But then, uh, this is what I've been stressing since the guys came in a few days ago, you know, because, you know, you do have to think outside the box whether you are younger or older. And I happen to be an older female. And like I said, I want this just as bad as me wanting to finish my nursing degree because I know this is going to help me in so many ways. You know, knowing how to go in there, knowing how to block uh, websites my children shouldn't see. You know, um, knowing how to find out, you know, uh, how to get jobs, how to do a resume. You know, knowing how to get in there and do it within ample time to where I can be able to show my children and help myself as well as others. Mm-hmm. What um, message would you give to elected leaders, uh, policymakers, whether we're talking about in the city or in the state, what message would you give them to say that this is a valuable investment that they need to pay attention to? Um, I would basically say, you know, I mean, it just doesn't get any bigger than than this when you have people that are willing to spend their time to educate you and then to not only educate you but then also allow you to, hey, you know, after you've gotten this education, you know, on how to uh, uh, safely maneuver on the Internet, let alone grow, grow, you know. Um, I mean, I bet if these people over here even knew how to have an earnest job on the Internet and knew how to get through the avenues of revenues, would a lot of people that are in poverty or, you know, you know, the ones that normally go through the different things, would they even go through what they have been through or what they're going through now? No, because they're educated to where they don't have to be stuck in their in their, in their their mind as far as, to, oh, I don't have a job or, you know, I mean, you just have to broaden, you know, your, your way of thinking, you know. And sometimes we get too lax, you know, and uh, in, in, uh, it's called complacency. But the... But uh, what I would say is, is you know, uh, to make a long story short, um, I don't know. I'm I'm just overwhelmed with this whole entire project, and I feel so good about it. It's ridiculous because I don't know anything about the internet, and for someone, I mean, got to be a God fearing, pattern gentleman, woman, want to come in and educate us, and also give us access to computers or or how we can, you know. Uh, get you know a computer. I think that is just remarkable. That's just really all I can say. 
I mean, it just mm-hmm. doesn't get any bigger than that. Basically, we're giving you the knowledge. We're we're not only giving you the knowledge. Now you just need to put the pieces together and 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 figure out what you really want to do if you've got short or long term goals. Because the internet does have so much to share that is positive and productive. Things that we mm-hmm. need that are going to help us get out of the, some of, some of the state of mind that a lot of you know just. I mean, it doesn't matter or race, creed, or or any of that, but. You know, if you're stuck and you don't know which way to go, you know, that that's a, to me that's a disease because it is just definitely important for us to know, you know, the ins and outs to the Internet, especially with the way of the world. But that is just so remarkable to come in and want to teach us, educate us. Mm-hmm. You know, most people are looking for, oh, you need to, you know, we need money. These guys are not asking us for anything but just to attend a class or two or however, however many sessions, and be educated, it doesn't get any better and bigger than that, sir. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think with the kids that, um, you know, because we worry a lot about our kids, and we worry a lot about our inner-city city kids in particular because they often seem so adrift, can the Internet become, or access to the Internet and all of the resources become a, a something that anchors kids and, and helps them move from where they are to where they could be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely. And I could be that example because I've um, had a lot of roadblocks and everything, but, you know, you you gotta want you got to want to be educated. And then if somebody else that is eager t- to get this knowledge passes this along, Come on now. Who 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 wouldn't want to, you know, seriously, if you know that you want to go from point one to point ten because you know that your life is, and it, and it basically takes you into a, a, a depression even. I mean, for, for so long I was depressed because I didn't know how to work the Internet. So I started just praying about it and started, you know, just messing with it myself, self-teaching. But I, I, I so believe that. You know, if, if if I took this knowledge, and as much as these people like and love, you know, they look up to me because I do try to be a positive figure, being that I live over here. But if they listen to me and talk to me the way they do, I know that I'm not even with convincing. I can just let them know how ecstatic I am and what I've learned, and I bet it'll be more people coming in trying to get this knowledge, not getting the knowledge, not even trying. Because sometimes it takes an example for others to really believe that, hey, there is um, uh, um, there's hope. And there's, there's belief in the impossible. You know, and anything can, I mean, anything can be conquered. And this is what the, they, they need this. A lot of these people up here don't have cars. They don't have, they don't have gas money or, or money even for a bus. But if you've got the Internet right here, you've been educated on how to get on here and even make money, manage your money, you know, know, I mean, how to protect your child, you just can't go wrong with it. Mm -hmm. You can't go wrong. So I'm excited, and I'm more so excited because once I'm done learning what has been taught to me, I'm going to share and spread spread the knowledge and the word. There is where it grows. There is definitely where it grows. Is is Randy Jones still there? Yes, sir. Let me let me let me uh, uh, have a little chat. Oh, with actually. You. Oh, actually, I'm sorry. It's for you, um, Randy. Hello. 
Hello? See the story there that, that Angela has started and uh, get your perspective. Uh, we are losing connection. It's cutting in and out. Oh, mercy. Um, I, I apologize for that. One of the... Uh, I have really a bad connection here at the, at the new place. Um, my question was, how do you see the big picture of at Rosedale? Uh, how do you see this project helping all of your residents? Um, empowerment, definitely. Um, mm -hmm. You know, them being able to get things that they need, access to the information that they need. There's a lot of resources, you know, that we can share with them or refer them to, mm -hmm. now they have it where they can get that information at home. You know, it might mm -hmm. be something that might be private to them. They, they'll come to us kind of in confidence, needing information. We can send them out with the list. Now they have the tool to explore and get that information that they need without feeling like they have to hurt their pride or, you know, let other mm -hmm. people in more than they need to. Mm -hmm. How do you see replicating the successes? You know, Angela talked about when she's done, she's going to want to, you know, talk to other people and get more people involved. How do you harness that as, a, as an organization and get, you know, those, those success stories uh, duplicated, replicated? Believing in them, giving them mm -hmm. the confidence, you know, showing them that we care where they get. If we're their home, we have to make it the best home that they have. We have to show them that there's more out there, and we have to do that by caring, by giving them the support that they need to, you know, to get there. And that's how you replicate it. And when they go home and they tell their friends, hey, we want to live here because the staff there cares, they care where we get, the residents care, we become a family, and that's how everybody gets farther. That's mm -hmm. how everybody succeeds. Do you see the kids becoming like a training force, if you will, um, to, to get the, uh, the rest of the folks there on board with this Internet stuff? I think, I think to a point, but I think it's going to take some of the, you know, older ladies or the mothers to get some of the other mothers there. I think uh, okay. being able to get the teenagers to help mentor the middle schoolers and get the middle schoolers to help mentor the younger ones, you know, and, mm -hmm. and you kind of build it up that way. Excellent. No, I, 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 see, what you're, I see what you're talking about there. Um, from a, uh, I don't know, to look at the, the policy issues, right? I mean, leaving the immediacy of your particular group, but we have people in, in positions of leadership, elected leadership, appointed leadership, and so forth. How do you get them on board with this kind of program? Because it's very, it seems like and at this particular time it's difficult to get people in power to understand and listen to the needs of low-income folks. You know, how, do you, how do you get past that, do you think? You, you keep doing it and you make the success stories. You you have to show them that there's successful stories. If you just give a story and there's nobody to show, hey, this this person did it. 
you know, once mm-hmm. we get to that point where we do actually have, you know, residents that have completed it that maybe are able to start their own business or are able to do online schooling and graduate college, this this is important. Mm-hmm. But until they do see you, success stories, the upper ones, it's not important to them. Right. So, in essence, you've got to use success to leverage more success, and then that's what's going to get the, the politicians to pay attention. That's Yes. Makes that sense is. to me. <laughs> I mean, it's not easy. I mean, it's, a, it's a tedious process, no doubt, but, you know, I can see where that makes sense. Um, do you have a program or a plan in mind for how to help businesses once they get started? Like someone starts a home-based business, will there be some sort of, I don't know, marketing program or will they learn the basics of accounting somewhere so they, you know, they manage their money effectively? Yes, there are classes. Um, not only will they be trained as well, you know, just learning how to get around the Internet, but there will also be classes later on for a lot of our adults that will teach them that financial skills, you know, learning how to have a checking account. Most of my residents here, you know, don't have enough money to have in a checking account, but what happens when they do? How do they know how right. to use that debit card? How do they know how to reconcile a checking account, how do they know to look their stuff up online. Those are skills that, you know, within the next year, a lot of them will be able to be be taught. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of information out there, open classwork, where um, they were talking about there's a lot of computer um, college courses that they can go in, such as marketing and that and learn all of the information without having to pay necessarily for the class or the teacher mm-hmm. and gain the knowledge that that same class gives somebody who's privileged enough to attend that school. Mm-hmm. No, I, 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 I totally agree. I mean, that, that a lot of that stuff makes sense because I tell people you can't just, you know, the same way you just can't build, you know, a physical network and expect it to buy the clothes, you can't also just, you know, have a person start a business and then the business is going to be successful. You know, there's a whole there's a whole bunch of skills that come with running a successful uh, business, even if it is home based, even if it is an internet only business. And so it sounds like you 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 and your um, colleagues have figured this all out and are moving down that path. Yes, Excellent. we definitely are. Excellent. <laughs> and also, y'all, you folks are very proud of this accomplishment. I can I can hear it in Angela's voice, and, and I can hear it in yours. There's a definite uh, pride of ownership, I would say, there. It's it's not so much an ownership of it. It's it's that they have more opportunities now that they didn't have before. Mm-hmm. They have the opportunity to go where they want, and then us as part of their family here because we see them every day in the office, we get the opportunity to support them or guide them where they need to go so that they don't get frustrated and give up. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's for them to do what they needed to, to build themselves up and move on. Own that home that you wanted to, have that job as a nursing career, you know, be able to go to school, be able to get your GED. Some women just hear don't have transportation for daycare. So how nice is it that they can now take a computer class and start building their college education? Mm -hmm. And without having the Internet here, 
or the access to the computers, that wouldn't be possible for them because over here the bus stop is probably five or six miles away. So walk five or six miles in really? 30 degree weather. Yeah, you know, and and take your three children that you have to get on the bus to take them to daycare and then be able to make it to this class on time. This allows them those opportunities that other people that we take for granted, we jump in our car and we go. They don't have that here. So it it's a positive thing for them. It, it builds them up. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I think one of our biggest failings is a lack of ability to understand you know, for those of us who aren't in that situation, I, I think you know. I read, I read people's comments and in, in, in um, you know, on some of these articles about digital inclusion. I listen to people talk at different places, and there's just, there's a major disconnect between uh, the the realities of low income communities and and uh, and folks who are making policy, who are implementing policy, or just people who are sitting on the sidelines complaining about their tax dollars being used for this. In which case, this isn't really their tax dollars being used. But you know, it always comes down to that at some point. Someone always you know bring that up, whether it's true or not, or applicable. But there's a mindset. I think that's what I'm getting at. Is that there's a mindset of people who who are disconnected, who need to understand what's going on in in communities such as yours. Yes, yeah. and I think a lot of it, you know, sometimes is based on personal opinions or or stuff that that people have seen or you know have heard. But a lot of the people that have those perceptions that it, it's not good or, you know, that, that they don't try or that they, it's not because they, it's because they can't get somewhere because of their financial or geographical limitations, you know, a lot of the ones that say, yeah, that's my tax dollars, they don't come visit us, they don't meet our residents, they don't know what struggles they have on a day-to-day basis. And it, that, that's always just going to be a hurdle until everybody gets together and says, hey, you know, this is where we're at. And these, and like I said, those success stories, that's what's going to change people's opinions. But until you have those success stories, it's always going to be the same. You know, a lot of the thought process of others are, are always just going to be the same. Well, I thank you for for taking time, you and Angela both, for taking time. I know we kind of sprung this interview thing on you guys, but um, you know, I, I appreciate hearing your your per, your perspective, your experiences, because uh, you know, I sat in a meeting in um, Washington uh, a week or so ago, and you know, I'm sitting and looking at the people around the room, and they have great intentions and they have great knowledge, but they really don't have an experience at the grassroots level, whether we're talking low-income urban, low-income rural. It's just, you know, and it's hard to try to figure out how to build that bridge. You know, we're talking about, uh, you know, bridging the digital divide, but I think we have an experience divide that needs to be bridged first almost. Definitely. Maybe that's just the point. (laughs) Definitely. Uh, Some days, some days. And maybe with the digital divide, they can start a reality show. (laughs) And then, hey, you know, the people upper can see what actually goes on on a daily life, you know. Walk in somebody's shoes for two weeks and and see what it's like to be, you know, a single mother on $200 a month and and see where you get with that. You know, it, it, it opens it up. 
mm-hmm. you know, it's probably not the best TV show, and it probably wouldn't last for very long, you know, but it opens it but up. But it would those be a dose of needed reality. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, at least, you know, two hours of reality of what somebody else goes through, mm-hmm. you know, with the camera. Makes a lot of so. sense. Excellent. I'll tell you what, I want to turn get back to uh to Michael and, and stuff. But again, thank you for your time and, and providing this input. I think it's very valuable for people to hear what you have to say and hear what Angela has to say and, and like I said, that experience. So uh, you know, keep keep on keeping on and, and, and hopefully this show will help uh, you know, increase that awareness, increase, you know, getting that story out there to folks who need to hear the story. And we will, and thank you for allowing us the time to be on your show. So no here worries. he is back. Hi, thanks a lot. So you can guess Angela is one of the first uh, ambassadors that we're using. But our, <laughs> our, our goal is to get a core of five to ten uh, people like Angela, and they're the, going to be the ones who are really going to bring the opportunity to the rest of the complex. So we're actually going to give them training in a laptop and send them loose. Mm-hmm. So I know that you guys are few in number, uh, you know, that um, that have made this all work. And I'm sure there's more stuff to do than there are hours in the day. But um, from your perspective, how do you replicate the part, the role that you play? You know, you, you went to, to Google and asked for uh, support and they, you know, they they were supportive in spirit, I guess, but not necessarily in the breach. Uh, I'm sure you've had as many doors slammed in your face as doors have opened. Um, but just given the limitations of time and and you know your time and so forth, how do we clone you? How do we clone your your team so that this becomes a reality in other parts of Kansas City? Well, actually, we're excited because we we have been doing a lot of networking, and we our volunteer base is growing. We're doing a lot of PR and fundraising, so we hope with the money is going to come an opportunity to, you know, replicate our team. And also, uh, you know, we're available to talk with anybody else in any other city that mm-hmm. is interested in pursuing a similar model. Uh, we really think that, you know, um, we became an ISP, and I think that it's not that hard for other nonprofits to do that if um, they have some, you know, the technical uh, support that we got to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And I so think, you know, one one of the things that I I think about all the time is if you take a, a used computer and you bring it, uh, there's a company that we work with that does recycling, and now they've started to actually give us more of their used stuff rather than grinding them up. The, the, mm-hmm. the value of the components of a used computer is twelve dollars. If you take one and recycle it, but that working computer in the hands of somebody like Angela and her children is going to change many lives. Much more than twelve bucks will ever bring. And I think that's kind of the message that we've been trying to share, and our community's been responsive. It's um, yeah, I think. The small ways in which you can move this 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 ball forward, right? Because you know, in, in Washington circles and you know, lots of other circles, you know, they talk in hundreds of millions of dollars and billion dollar programs that they're out there to drive broadband adoption. But but I think there also has to be a 
um, a small strategy <laughs> or a strategy of being, you know, of, of being small, using using having fewer dollars, having fewer people that need to somehow get into this discussion, right, that we need to talk about, okay, we can have our $100 million programs, but at a certain point, you know, it's going to be two people on a shoestring budget, you know, making 12 and 15 and $30 investments in people that's going to move the needle forward. Well, that's right, and I'm convinced right now that the digital divide and digital marginalization of of people in our society is the next um, frontier of social justice. You know, as I said, I've been an educator for 20 years. I know nothing lifts people from poverty the way education does. You can add to that simple fact that today education is not there for you without Internet savvy and connectivity. So if we really want to do something about poverty, if we really want to bring hope, to the inner cities, uh, we've got to address this issue in a big way. On the second hand, I would tell you this, that there are a lot of people who know about this and care about this, and we're experiencing that in Kansas City, but there are volunteers who are coming forward um, because they realize that we're not some government-funded program or some high-level thing that's telling people what to do. And we're here eyeball to eyeball saying, you know, here's what the Internet will do for you, and we'll make sure it happens for you. I mean, I think mm-hmm. um, I, I I don't think programs change people. I think people change people. Mm-hmm. Now, are you um, are you doing stuff to I don't know to to chronicle what you guys are doing, or to somehow uh, I don't know create a, a safe deposit box of knowledge or something? I mean, I'm, I'm being I don't mean to be flippant. I mean, but the 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 issue or one issue that I find across the board with so many broadband efforts is that people say, I wish I had a place to go to get, you know, knowledge of, you know, what people have done before us. You know, and people get so caught up in the day-to-day making the project work that they don't necessarily keep, uh, you know, or collect knowledge somewhere that that other people can share. Um, Have you guys taken steps in this direction? Well, yes. uh, You know, our website, Connecting for Good, is essentially a blog. So we're we're chronicling every major thing that happens along the way on our blog. Mm-hmm. So if anybody wants to know about us and what we're doing, all you have to go is to for connectingforgood.org, and uh, we mm-hmm. have you know we we have been chronicling our process since last March. Oh wow, that's pretty. Uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, a year not not the March that just passed, but the March before that. Ah, okay. So you really have been at this for a while. Yes. So, what, what do you think the next? Uh, I don't know. The, the next big uh, win will be for 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 you guys. Will it be when you expand this network to the neighborhood next door, or or is you know where do you go from here? I guess is the question. Okay. Well, right now we actually have been approached by another similar facility, and mm-hmm. you know the nice thing about Rosedale Ridge is that. There's a group called the Kansas City Urban Youth Center that has already been working in here doing after-school programs and other things. So in some ways, what's going to happen is we're going to get everything up and going, step back, and let this this group take over and, and really bring things to the next level. And we're working with another nonprofit group that is talking with us about uh, a similar uh, facility uh, 
a, a little ways away in KCK. Um, so we're open to, you know, our whole goal is you know, to bring the connectivity, the hardware, get people going, and then our hope is that there would be others in the community, other groups that are working that will sort of build up on what we've done so we can move on to the next project. Of course, you know, with the new year coming, uh, probably a big focus of ours is going to be the rollout of Google Fiber across Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I mentioned before, uh, you know, we we saw that when we were doing the pre-registrations, um, there was a constant, um, you know, awareness that people said they would sign up, but they had no equipment. So we're going to be really focusing on gathering up hardware, setting up community-based training sessions, um, and doing our $50 PC deal to see that as many people as possible will sign up for the Google offer of seven years of Internet for $300. You know, mm-hmm. again, we're, we want to partner with Google to do the digital inclusivity part that they've talked about. So that will mm-hmm. be a bigger major focus of our activities after the new year. Excellent. Most of the communities that we care about were, were the ones that came in last, mostly the ones on the east side of Kansas City. Uh, many mm-hmm. of those, we actually you know, we just had to distribute $10 gift cards so that they would sign up for the Google pre-registration so that Fiber would come to their communities, so that their schools, their libraries, and other public facilities would get Fiber for free. But mm-hmm. now the challenge is to make sure that you know, those people are ready when, it, when it, the sign-ups start for the actual service to begin they have in hand, you know, the understanding, you know how to do it, and they have the hardware in their homes. You know, because I think for a lot of uh, efforts around the digital divide in the past, there's been a focus on centers, you know, community uh, centers and places where people would go to get access and get training. For instance, Kansas City, Missouri Library serves a half a million users a year uh, with their computer centers. But I think the real need is is to have connectivity in the home, and that's our focus. And mm-hmm. uh, so the Google $300 for seven years for the five megabit connection, I think, is one opportunity to really get fiber, get Internet in people's homes. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, we are just about at the end of our our show. I want to um, thank you, Michael, for uh, spending time. I want to congratulate you on a, on a successful launch of this project. You guys just went live on Friday, and 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 clearly, uh, good things are happening. And I'll give uh, you know my thanks to Rand and Angela for for telling their parts of the story because, like I said, I think their voices, you know, more than ever need to be out there as part of this broadband discussion. So much much appreciated. Yes, thank you for the time. I appreciate you telling our story. No worries. So much continued uh, success, uh, you know, in the new year. Uh, to our audience out there, thank you uh, once again for uh, being here and listening and supporting us. And um, let's see if we can make more stories, more magic happen as we get into 2013. Talk to you uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow's show, actually, we're going to focus on economic development uh, and broadband, but this time with a focus on government applications and how using broadband to transform uh, local government operations will have a positive impact overall on the, the local economy. So be sure to join us, and everyone, thank you, and have a great day. We'll talk to you again. 
Bye.